sources, that should innately be army data. We shouldn't have to buy our data back. So these kind of things about the knowledge of best practices and digital world are the things we're getting after on the knowledge end and probably less more of the commodity management end. Uh, and I would say that you know uh, through robotics process automation, two examples on that. We're, we're able to free up our analyst time, unmatched transactions for us, uh, prioritization of those and, and solving those. We have our, our RPA team at FMNC uh, led by Chase, Chase Levinson here. And uh, he's really working to take it to the next level where we have machine learning paired with RPA so that we can have unattended bots that seek to solve these issues for us, giving Chase then time to do more bots for more people across the United States Army, et cetera. And it's, it becomes a cascading effect. Uh, he has a backlog of bots that people want in place for these manual processes. Uh, one more example, then I'll get to what the, the benefit of that is. In the G9 here, we have, uh, as part of the audit compliance and what we're trying to accomplish here, we have to input thousands of records and it's a manual process and it's a very similar process every single time. So it's actually a perfect UK use case for a, for a bot to perform that duty. And um, our, our financial information management team has established that and that's actually inputting those records into our general fund enterprise business system for us. And so what that does is it takes that analyst time and it gives him that time back. So he doesn't have to sit there and manually input that, that record. And so I've challenged all the team to then, what do you do with that analyst time at that point? It's not that we're, we're not getting rid of the analyst. Analyst then can seek to solve the root cause issue where we got there in the first place. He can work with the uh, EBS MFCT to work it into the capabilities requirements document so that we don't end up with that problem in our future uh, capability. Uh, there's thousands of labor hours being saved across HQDA right now with these bots. Um, we want people to be problem solvers versus planners. And that's that's the shift in culture here where instead of being a guardian of the process and moving things through the process because that's what you've always done it's now that knowledge-based uh employee that we had versus the transactional work that they did previously because we have we have systems that can do that for us sort of in some general right we we want to we don't want to spend labor in collecting data we want to spend labor on analyzing data and that's really the shift is how do we get to the higher end and make the important decision quality data available for analysis and action. And that's really the, the, the goal of all these upscale rescale things throughout the spectrum of uh, work categories. Greg Garcia, the acting Army CIO, and Jonathan Moak, the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Army for Financial Management, are our guests this week. We'll wrap up our conversation on how those two organizations are partnering after one more break. This is On DoD on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm Jared Sermon. Back on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. This is on DOD. I'm Jared Serbu. As we finish up our discussion with Jonathan Moak, the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Army for Financial Management, and Greg Garcia, the Acting Army CIO. As we kind of wind down here in our last few minutes, I want to return to the technology piece a little bit because we haven't talked much about cloud so far. And it, whichever direction the Army heads with FM systems, cloud's obviously going to play a big role here. I, I think you just moved GFEBs to the cloud, which 
that was probably a little bit more of a lift and shift than some of the stuff you're hoping to do in the future. But, you know, just as a general matter, how important do you think cloud is going to be in terms of this objective of, of letting the Army see all of its financial data? It's going to be the bedrock, right? So the, the, the great ability of the cloud, both in compute storage, the innovation cycle of new capabilities in the cloud is, is going to be huge for us as across all mission areas. Uh, but we have to do that smartly. So, you know, the, the the big push before was cloud first, and basically everybody went to go find their own way to implement cloud technolo technology. What we're really trying to do is have a disciplined, supportive, foundational process for common cloud services and common data services to allow people. So we, people, we told people to get out of data centers. What we're trying to say is come to this uh, cloud capability, an ecosystem that has common shared services, common data fabric that allows the functional owner to focus on the function piece, not the technology piece. So for one instance, on the GFIBS migration, we actually provided common cloud services from our C Army capability, and that allowed them to rapidly get to the cloud and save them about $8 million instead of reprovisioning those services for their program. So we're also developing uh, Create, which is a way that uh, a standardized mechanism for uh, cloud capabilities to be built cloud native from the start. Again, taking that digital platform, doing that securely, logically once, and then have people build on top of that their functional uniqueness. So that's the great work of Paul Puckett and the Enterprise Cloud Management Office. That's the great work that we're partnered with AFC on and our ASALT uh, partners to build that common foundation that's scalable, reliable, resilient, secure, and then let functional folks uh, hop on top of that and do their unique functional aspects of that. Yeah, I would, um, I would, I would really applaud the team that, that did that migration for us. I believe it was 44 terabytes of data, something along those lines across five days, I believe. Um, and uh, just what a, a Herculean effort done by the PEOEIS to move into the environment, cloud environment there. So as the functional lead for FM, I, I just applaud them for the work. They just did tremendous work in partnership with Netcom and DISA, the PEOEIS and CIO and ECMO, everybody, all hands on deck. I think that resulted in two years of a schedule we bought back from that unique partnership of what was planned and then what the collective cross-functional team was able to redefine as far as the process to get there. So a bit of lift and shift, but it's in the cloud now and we can do that next iteration of uh, digital improvement. So getting there allows the ability to reframe and relearn and re-implement as we, as we learn through the process. Just to clarify that to your point, that that's, that's mostly just because you provided a more or less turnkey capability that they could just move into? Part of that is the resource allocation. We actually had some cloud acceleration money to actually jumpstart that process sooner with the common shared services and with the, really the holistic partnership of a unified vision on that. Yeah, now we're already seeing dividends. Uh, so I applaud OBT too, uh, uh, Robin Swan and his team, because they developed uh, cloud KPIs. And so we're measuring our performance in the cloud. We're seeing tremendous uh, pulling report time to the left, uh, you know, reports that previously took 180 minutes are happening in eight, nine, 10 minutes now. And I mean, that's just a tremendous increase in our reports. We think it's going to help us here at year end close 
that the team, uh, we gave them a goal of getting it done before Q4 because you don't do anything with financial management systems in quarter four. That would be uh, treacherous territory. So they finished it right there at 4th of July weekend for us. Uh, they got everything on board and and we're just we're just really very happy functional community. Uh, we saw the technology uh, community come on board and really, really solved a problem for us. And I think uh, Mr. Moak highlighted, I just want to just one more. The, the Office of Business Transformation has been uh, a huge positive driving force for all this. So Robin Swan and his whole team have really helped set the vision and were able to supplement that. But he he led that effort. His team led that effort. And it's been very exciting to see those great results because we kind of, you know, in the IT world, we promise a lot, right? We Oh, yeah, you're going to get better performance out of the cloud. You don't know if that's really going to happen until it happens. So it's kind of very exciting to have a vision, have a plan, have a team, have it execute and get the results that you were expecting in a very positive fashion. And really it's a collective huge success for the army. I said I was going to finish up on cloud, but I lied. I forgot I wanted to ask you both about the, the, the topic that I ask every senior leader about these days, which is telework. Um, how, how's it been? What was your attitude prior to COVID when it comes to telework? How, how has it changed, if at all? How productive or not have your folks been in this, in this environment? My favorite quote is, in the future, telework is just going to be called work, right? To me, I think we've really demonstrated, and, and the power of partnership and, and teamwork, I think, uh, is very uh, front and center here. Across the DOD, we recognized a common requirement from the DOD and the services that we need a better platform to implement to allow mission accomplishment with the goals of protecting our workforce, protecting our mission, and helping the whole of nation effort. So we turn to our commercial, our CVR, which is a Teams, Microsoft Teams-based project, and implement that in about 30 days with iterations of improvement. We have over 1 million people actively using our CVR environment across the Department of Defense. For our Army, that's over 400,000 people that use this capability that was fielded in, again, about 30 days. We are having all sorts of new capabilities by this connectivity of presence awareness, chat, video, and file uh, sharing channels, communities of practice. I would say that you know before the the idea of you know 80% telework was very foreign to to army leaders across the echelons but what we proved was a we can innovate field improve without bringing uh, critical cyber risk results and really to think out through that process we have soldiers using CVRs for improve mission results in all sorts of ways that would never have been possible if they physically had to go somewhere. We have the ability to touch across the globe in near real time every uh, sergeant's major in the Army to have a collective discussion about important Army issues. So our senior leaders, our commanders, our soldiers, our civilians are all using this, this capability in new and innovative ways and I think you can see the results is many things that were planned. There's just a few minor things that really require physical presence that we've not been able to do. A little bit of exercises where you're doing uh, multiple physical things or maybe scaled back. But for the large part, the Army, in, in addition to our DOD, was able to continue the great work that we're chartered to do. 
if I would I would put stomp that really quick, Matt Greg some summarized that very well. So Greg and I actually worked together at the Information Technology Agency uh, years ago. Uh, so he's always been a forward-leaning leader with regard to telework. Uh, when, when I worked there, telework was something that, that he pushed forward for us, and that was back in 2012, 13, I think, um, something along those lines. Coming from the private sector, working in an organization at the Army that was a forward-leaning telework type of organization, it was easy transition for me. My staff quickly did it. Uh, remarkably, uh, I, I've said Wes Miller's name several times here. You know, he was he was a guy that was he wanted people in the building, you know, uh, and he loves telework now and he loves Microsoft Teams. In fact, he probably knows how to use the platform better than I do. Um, so I, I think that you show faith and trust in your employees to know when they need to be in the building for certain in-person meetings or certain activities that they have to perform for us with regard to right now we're in budget season. We're, we're uh, transforming the program uh, into the budget estimate submission. And so some of those activities require us to be in the building. And it, it's a little more management for us where we have to measure to make sure we don't go above our threshold of people inside our spaces. So we send some people back home if they're in, uh, as they move out of uh, their busy season and we bring the budgeteers back in for this part of the year. And then they'll decide when they need to telework. But it's been good. And so I, I think uh, telework is working very well. The technology supports. Jared, one thing I would add is the great partnership with the DOD CIO and DISA and the services on classified devices, really, that were secure and able to be uh, the tablets and computers that allowed uh, members of the workforce not to physically come into the building. This was worked in great coordination with uh, U.S. cyber and, and the cyber security aspects were built in. But that really helped our workforce remain uh, outside of uh, the physical requirements of having to travel to and from work. I, I think the only caution I would say is we've made technology a little bit too convenient in the sense that now many people have are struggling with the work-life balance part because they, they can work from home. And really what we, we want to emphasize is there, there's got to be thought in about what we demand from this workforce in a telework environment or a work environment that reminds them that they have uh, to find that balance. Um, they, they can't just be online uh, for the 14 hours that they're willing to put in. There has to be balance. As you know, we have communities that need our family members. We have uh, families with uh, children that need to, to take time to, so really this approach to being flexible to that hours and looking for work-life balance has been a very strong point within the Army to find that right match between when you're online to do that work with your additional uh, family, community, and home responsibility. So that takes balance, but I think that's something I don't want to lose in this conversation is because the tendency is you can get the technology solved, but you still have to Remember that people are people, and we all need to connect on the human level as we do this uh, to ensure that their needs are being met uh, through this dispersed workforce environment. Greg Garcia, Jonathan Moak, um, thanks very much for taking all the time to talk to us today. We've covered a lot of territory in the last 45 minutes or so, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jared. Appreciate it. Great to be on, Jared. Thanks so much. And thanks to our listeners for joining us for this week's edition of On DoD. If you missed any part of the conversation, we'll post an extended version of our discussion with Greg Garcia, the acting Army CIO, and Jonathan Moak, the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary of the Army for Financial Management at federalnewsnetwork.com slash on DoD. You can also find us in podcast form. Subscribe to On DoD on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. 
That's it for this week's edition of On DoD. Thanks, as always, for joining us. I'm Jared Serbia. So long. You've been listening to On DoD on Federal News Network. Tune in Wednesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Kristen here, reminding you not to do things. What I mean is, with same-day delivery for everything from gifts to groceries, you only have to do the things you want to do. To not do the other things, visit shipped.com. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.